Welcome to the Men's Divorce Podcast, presented by the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell, a partner men can count on. Now, here's your host, managing partner and CEO of Cordell & Cordell, Scott Trout. All right. Hey out there, this is Scott Trout, uh, CEO and managing partner of Cordell & Cordell, a domestic litigation firm, uh, now in our 30th year, uh, advising men before, during, and after divorce. As you all know, we're the largest domestic firm in the country, as well as now we are in the UK. And we're excited to continue our podcast. Um, and now, more than ever, we have a, a topic that is so relevant to guys out there. And we thought we'd just spend just a few moments today talking about COVID, the coronavirus, and how it affects custody, and all those complicated matters uh, across the country. And so I have joining me today, Charles Hatley, who's a litigation manager in our Virginia Beach office. Uh, Charles is licensed in Virginia and Washington, D.C. And uh, welcome, Charles. Thanks for joining. Thank you, Scott. Uh, how are you doing today? Well, good. So, uh, Charles, you know, um, Charles and I were talking earlier, and we just really thought uh, we could spend some time helping guys out there in this few moments that we have, because uh, everyone's got question. You know, we're in a moment where no one knows what's next. Uh, I've, in my lifetime, and, you know, 52 years old, I've never seen anything like this, and I have questions, and I know guys out there have similar things, and they're going through a stressful moment, and now we're just adding more stress to it. And so let's talk about custody, and especially in markets across the country where we have shelter in place, we have courts that are closing. Uh, guys are wanting to know what that impact is on them. What does that mean for them? And what are their rights? What can they do? Um, there's just so many questions for guys. And you know, when you're listening to this, I encourage you to go back and listen to our national webinar that we uh, talked about COVID and its impact on divorce and guys considering divorce and post-divorce. So you can go YouTube that and find that information out there. But Charles, I thought what I'd start with is what we see is, you know, we have these divided homes and it's complicated when we have shelter in place orders where, you know, we're saying, hey, uh, don't leave your home or only do it for essential travel for the things like food and medicine and healthcare. Uh, schools are closing. So can guys out there, they're sitting here listening, thinking, I haven't seen my kids. Uh, I can maybe, you know, call them or email and my wife or ex-wife isn't letting me video that or FaceTime, can guys get uh, access to the courts if they need it? I mean, in what's available to them right now? Because some lawyers out there don't even know what's available. We're just reading orders as they come down. Kind of just generally say, hey, what can guys do right now? Right now, it is a very difficult time. Uh, what we're seeing, as Scott said, was a closure in the court systems, uh, but the court systems are not completely closed. Uh, most of the court systems uh, available to us have remained open for emergency situations. And, and what that looks like, an emergency situation with your children, what that looks like is a situation where you believe that their health or safety is in danger somehow. Uh, so going to the court and saying, my ex-spouse is blocking my access to my child, it's a tenuous grasp on an emergency situation. But it is important to bring up uh, in any situation that the children are really what's being impacted here. Uh, you know, when you're trying to have children at home, when you have a, a mother who may be still working and going out into uh, society every day and, you know, making the child, um, you know, exposing the child to, to her 
going out of society, it may be an emergency for, for the court to consider that the child may be better off uh, w- returning to the normal custody and visitation order rather than just having one parent unilaterally deciding uh, that what it should be. So when we think about these emo- or emergency motions, Charles, you know, guys, they shouldn't, I assume. And obviously, let me step back for a moment. You know, when we talk, since I'm licensed in Missouri, Illinois, and Georgia, and, and Charles, you're licensed in Virginia and D.C., and I know we've got listeners from around the country um, we don't want you to think of this as legal advice because it's not. Uh, what we want to do is create some talking points for you and some action points so that you take action, you do something. And that's really leading into my next question is most guys are thinking, do I need to do something? I haven't seen my kids in 10 days. And if I do, are you mentioned emergency motions. What are those? And, and again, should I be taking steps right now or do I just wait this out? That is a tough question. Um, the first, the emergency motion is a quicker route into court. It's going to court saying there is some big problem that I think this court needs to address on a very quick timetable. And, and they're so important that even though we have these shelters in place, you know, here in Virginia and Washington, D.C., the courts have remained open for those emergency motions. Uh, prior to filing an emergency motion, one of the most important things that we can try to do is keep the lines of communication open. That's easy to easier said than done. Uh, when one party refuses to cooperate in keeping the lines of communication open, you still want to try. Mm-hmm. And, and if your communication is being blocked, you may want to start trying through methods that are written, text messages, emails, something that you can later on hold in your hand and show to somebody, look, I was trying to see my child. I have this uh, right here in my hand showing that there were no responses or that I wasn't allowed to see my child. And, and maybe being able to show that to the court would help uh, mm-hmm. prove your, your case a little better. So we talk about communication, um, and it weaves into, I I kind of uh, alluded to it earlier, about keeping a diary or a log or a calendar. Um, Should guys get more, let's just make the assumption here, that we have divided homes, moms refusing to provide some sort of any routine, regular in-person contact, not related to medical symptoms, right? So should a guy, you know, keep a diary, and should they kind of put together more of a regular routine so it's not affecting the kids. So, you know, hey, I call every night at 5 or we FaceTime every night at 5. I call or I, or I call them in the morning or I email this day. And what should they be doing and, and how does that help them at the end of the day when they go back to court? Keeping a diary is very important. You know, when you go back to court and you're trying to remember that on March 21st you made a phone call and mom told you that you weren't allowed to talk to the child, it's going to be hard to recall that in a month or three weeks or two weeks or however long it takes to get back in court. And and acting with regularity uh, gives you credence to the claim that I was doing this just to try to speak to my child. You know, calling every day at 5 p.m. to try to speak to your children or FaceTiming every day at 5 p.m. and being denied that access allows you to present a case that says, look, I was trying everything I know. I was trying consistency for my children. I was trying to be there for my children. And I was just uh, around the horn being blocked by by the other parent. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I assume that this is the kind of stuff where guys are going to think, okay, I've been denied custody. Does it really matter? I mean, is a judge going to care at the end of the day? Let's say, you know, everything passes, the, you know, the, the states and the country opens back up, the court system's back up and running. You know, we are in a new normal, but, do, you know, guys are going to say, hey, Charles, do, do judges really care what happened here and is it worth it? 
I believe judges are absolutely going to care. Obviously, again, this is a, a new um, threshold that we're crossing here with this pandemic, but I believe that judges will absolutely care, especially in situations where there were previously entered custody and visitation orders. Judges never like it when one party decides to ignore what the court said. And most custody and visitation orders, although they may not have uh, covered a pandemic, do cover situations when the children are out of school for snow days or, or holidays or other periods of time. And most parents are granted, uh, a lot of parents are granted joint legal custody. And, and joint legal custody is extremely important in this scenario because it allows the parent, it forces the parents to work together to decide what's in the best interest for the children's uh, health, safety, and welfare. It is not a unilateral decision just to be made by the parent who's physically, who physically has the children at the time. It's a good point about the legal custody because it's often overlooked by guys out there. They're thinking I, right now and the first thing in their mind is, I haven't seen my kid. But one of the things that guys are probably having happen to them, especially if there's a medical crisis, is their legal rights are being stripped of them by being failed to consult and confer with. So what should guys do in this situation? Let's just talk about real quickly jump and then we'll jump back into custody regular. What should guys be doing on the legal side about you know the, the decision-making process for health and education and general welfare? On the legal side, uh, again, it's important to try to keep an open line of communication with the other parent, being involved, reaching out to the children's school, saying, okay, you know, if, if your child is out of school, if, if there hasn't been a school closure, getting the lesson plan, making sure you're well apprised of the lesson plan so that you can speak with the other parent about what the child needs to be doing on a day-to-day -day basis. If the child has some sort of extraordinary uh, medical situation, which causes the child to be um, higher risk right now, reaching out to the, the child's doctor to say, okay, what can I do to be better prepared as a parent? How can I manage my household and my cleanliness and my contacts with other people so that my child can best fare in this situation? And just overall being involved, having an open line of communication and doing everything you possibly can just to stay involved in the life of the child. I would say even just dropping emails to your spouse, your ex-spouse saying, hey, I know and if something happens, I want to be informed. I want to help. I want to be there to make decisions. Um, I mean, it's one of those things just being about proactivity and just making assumptions that uh, that you're going to send the email and, and not necessarily trying to be combative, as you suggest, Charles. Great idea about keeping the line of communications open. So we have summer. We have Easter coming up for some what should guys be doing proactively in advance? You know, we were about uh, two weeks away approximately from Easter, a little bit more than that. What should they be doing if they're court-ordered to have scheduled custody or they want to have some time over Easter? And especially with the 12 weeks in the summer coming up, presumably, what should guys be doing now? I know it's communication, 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 but is there value in taking some proactive steps now to try to work out some sort of schedule, assuming that this new normal stays in place, which we all hope and pray it doesn't, but what should they be doing proactively? Proactively, again, you know, staying in the same line of communication, you know, reach out to the other parents, say, look, you know, Easter is my holiday and, and it's coming up and this is what I would like to do. And these is, this is my summer schedule coming up and this is what I, I expect, you know, I expect for this to be followed. And if you get a response from the other parent that says, no, I'm not going to allow you to have your holiday or no, I'm not going to allow you to exercise your visitation or your time over the summer, 
it may be necessary to start reaching out and exploring the options that we have with our court system. Um, you know, as I said earlier, the judges are not going to look kindly upon one parent unilaterally subverting another parent's rights to their children, both physical and legal rights that they have at this time. Mm-hmm. So you talk about getting the court involved and typically guys are out there thinking, well, I'm calling the police. Is there any value in, um, seeking uh, assistance of law enforcement trying to exercise your rights? That is a controversial idea in Virginia and D.C. and pretty much everywhere else I've talked to anybody is getting the police involved is always iffy. Um, The reality is the police are not going to go inside of the other parent's home and physically remove the child. Uh, They're not going to exercise that court order to any point where you're happy that you call the police. And it's likely going to cause much more strife on down the road with with the other parent that you did call the police. However, when the police arrive, they're going to make a report of the denial of the date of where they went. And there's probably going to be body cam footage or maybe body cam footage of how the other parent reacted. So while it may be used against you that you call the police, that you involve the police and, and had your child witness that, there may be evidence created by the other parent's reactions towards the police that may be useful all that being said, I, I think keeping the police out of it at this juncture would likely be the best route to go mm-hmm. as, you know, the, the court system is, is they're not going to look kindly upon one parent subverting the other parent's rights, but they're going to expect that there will be a little bit of understanding cooperation not involving the police when we have so many other things going on. Right. I mean, it's equally as important to be proactive, you know, in terms of enforcing your rights as it is to perhaps making changes around your own home for guys out there, right? Like who visits and uh, friends and safety precautions. What could they be doing at home? Because I always say it's about appearance preparation for guys. And that is, you know, you've got, you're under a microscope and probably even more so now because we have a, a potentially deadly virus out there that could, you know, create havoc in families and create medical conditions. So it's now more important for guys. What you know, maybe just kind of quickly go through what should guys be doing around the home uh, to just be proactive in precaution and take uh, good steps? They need to be aware of what the CDC recommendations are uh, about contact with people. You know, when you when you have children in your home or you have children coming and going from your home, it's not always a good idea to introduce another person coming and going who may have contact with 15 other people because then you're increasing the number of contacts your child is having exponentially. So during this time frame, you know, you may want to make sure that you have as few people coming over to your house as, as possible, uh, that you're keeping, you're taking extra diligence in keeping your house clean, and, and that you're setting up a space for your child. You know, this is a, a huge change for children. They've gone from a daily routine of going to school or, or daycare uh, to not and setting up a, a learning station for them at home, setting up something that provides them that stability. Uh, will be something that you can show in the future to anybody who ever questions what happened during this time period of, mm-hmm. look what I did. I, cu- I cut down my contacts, I increased my cleanliness, and I gave my child stability when nothing else in this world was. And you bring up a good point about, you know, with the kids and their perception and uh, reinstilling that. And, and so, obviously, if guys are out there and they're in the unfortunate position where they're not getting the in-person custody that they they should be getting, and, you know, their child says, well, why don't you come see me? The natural reaction is, well, your mom won't let me. But obviously, that's not the answer you want to provide um, because it could be used against you in court and maybe a form of parental alienation. And so, you know, albeit 
not from a psychological or psychiatric perspective, but what should guys be telling their kids if, you know, during this time, if they're not getting the type of in-person custody that they once, you know, had? As Scott said, it's very important not to just point the finger at the other parent because that will be used against you later. Absolutely. It's important to speak to your children on their level. You know, you wouldn't explain to a four-year-old the same concepts and ideas that you'd explain to a 17-year-old. So, you know, when you're speaking to younger children, trying to explain to them that, listen, you know, right now uh, there's people that are sick and we're just trying to keep you from getting sick and keep you as safe as possible. And your mother and I are working together to that end. Maybe a good way to explain it versus an older child explaining to them, look, you know, these things, these issues happen. These pandemics have happened in the past. This one is the one that's most recent, but we get through it. We get by and uh, the CDC and the doctors and the government are there trying to help us out and make sure that we all do the safe thing and stay in our homes and and make sure that this disease doesn't continue to spread. And to kind of wrap it up, um, there's some guys out there where their divorce is now in their mind, you know, it was pending. It was steaming along and they may have had some court dates canceled. What can, and let me, maybe I should say this, many of them think, well, it all should stop, but what should their attorney, what should they be asking and looking for their attorney to be doing right now? Should they just not do anything on their file? Are there opportunities for these guys, whether it be about talking about strategy or trial preparation or refining discovery? Is there something that they should be looking to their attorney and saying, hey, I get it, courts are closed, but you know, my divorce didn't just stop. What should they be doing? Absolutely. We should still be moving forward. You know, when you're preparing for a divorce, there's a million different issues uh, that we have to look at. And there's always something that could be missed. And we can utilize this extra time to comb through all the details uh, of the divorce, make sure nothing has been missed and really go after each and every element as hard and heavy as we possibly can. In addition, I mean, new evidence is being being created daily. When you're going through a divorce, uh, how you work together, the finances, uh, you know, the, the layoffs coming, finances have been um, changed and, and that's going to need to be updated to the court. Uh, custody and visitation schedules may be uh, changing. That needs to be updated and something that may need to be discussed in court and keeping the attorney apprised of all these changes and, and figuring out how these changes can still benefit you moving forward, even working through uh, this very serious situation. Well, Charles, that's uh, such great stuff. I know we were able to cram some uh, useful tips for guys out there. Uh, I know your perspective of what's happening in Virginia. I appreciate your time, and I know uh, I hope everyone out there gained realistic and some useful information to help their family remain as positive as they can in these difficult times. And always remember that you know people like Charles and the rest of Cordell and Cordell were here to to keep you and our clients and those affected by divorce as informed as they can on COVID-19, and we'll continue to uh, have updates as we go along each uh, week with new topics. And Charles, again, thanks so much uh, for joining us today. Thank you, Scott. All right. Until next time, stay safe out there and uh, look forward to speaking to you again on the next topic. We'll cover some child support and alimony payments and how that's affected uh, with the latest uh, coronavirus. Until then, take care. Thank you for listening to the Men's Divorce Podcast presented by Cordell & Cordell. To schedule your appointment with a Cordell & Cordell attorney, please visit CordellCordell.com or call us at 1-866-DADS-LAW. 
Also, make sure to visit our partner websites, mensdivorce.com and dadsdivorce.com, and download our free Men's Divorce Source app available on the App Store for the latest divorce news and resources. Cordell & Cordell, a partner men can count on.